Hi, I'm Donna King, sitting in for Mark Rotterman, host of Front Row. Coming up, a conversation with North Carolina's treasurer, Dale Falwell, next. Major funding for Front Row is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by... Funding for the lightning round is provided by NC Realtors, Helen Lockery, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, Stephen Gleason, and Jane and Van Hip. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row. Welcome back, Treasurer Falwell. Welcome to Front Row. Let's start with a little news from this week. It's a big story. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court heard arguments this week about President Biden's vaccine mandates on business and state and uh, federal employees. Tell me what you think about that. I think that, uh, unfortunately, the issues regarding vaccines and mandates is something that's become highly politicized over the last two years. And, you know, it's a shame that you need a law to tell you what's right and what's wrong. Uh, but I look forward to whatever the U.S. Supreme Court says on this particular topic. And, you know, from personal experience of barely surviving COVID in March of 2020, before anybody really knew what COVID was, uh, I've seen COVID in living color. Yes, yes. Do you think that such mandates are constitutional? I'm not a lawyer. I'm a CPA, uh, and that's probably not on my yoga mat. But I will tell you that, uh, as Governor Martin always told us, uh, doing right is rarely wrong. And, you know, Everybody trying to protect themselves so that we can get through this uh, is very important because, as your viewers know very well, uh, this has created a tremendous amount of death, illness, poverty, and illiteracy in North Carolina. Sure, sure. Now, one of the things you really have talked a lot about is uh, some recent talk on Capitol Hill about increasing the scope of the IRS powers to be able to look into private accounts. It's something that you as the treasurer have talked about a little bit. You've opposed it, though. Tell me why. Well, I've opposed it because I'm, in addition to being the keeper of the public purse and the state treasurer of North Carolina, I'm also chair of the State Banking Commission. And two really small institutions like BB&T, Truist, and First Citizens are state-regulated banks, for example. Sure. I think that the surveillance of people's banks, bank accounts uh, will create uh, more unbanked individuals. And as the state treasurer and the chair of the Banking Commission, I want people to be more banked not less banked. I think that, as Kelly King always admonishes us, uh, former chairman of BB&T Truist, focus on the why, get the why right, and then we'll figure out the how. I don't think they got the why right in this particular topic. Sure, sure. So when you say banked, <coughs> unbanked, what would that mean to the economy? I think that uh, as, well, banks create capital and they create opportunities sure. for depositors to put thing, money in a safe place so that the, uh, they can lend it out that creates upward mobility and joy of achievement in people's lives as they try to invest in their mind or a business or a home. Sure. I think this, uh, this particular proposal, which I hope is dead for a long period of time, <coughs> which would have resulted in people feeling that they were being more surveilled and therefore they wouldn't have used the banks at all. Sure. Do you think that's a trust issue with the American people and the federal government? I think it's a trust issue, especially in this day and time when people are seeing so many breaches of their data and to have this happen for uh, cash flows just coming in and out of the bank is something that it was a bad idea where they didn't get the why right. Right, 
Right. That is, that's a tough one. And really, we've been also talking about inflation. You know, a, a lot of folks are very concerned about the economy. I think we've had, what, 6.8% inflation uh, so far this year. What do you think that that means to the health of North Carolina's economy uh, and, and, the, and the nation's? Well, I've, I've always carry lapel pins with me, and sure. uh, I brought one today that says NC, and your viewers obviously know that stands for North Carolina, but it also stands for nothing compares. Uh, as far as North Carolina's balance sheet, uh, I wouldn't trade places with any other state treasurer in North Carolina. But this issue about inflation is very serious, especially for our lower and fixed income individuals. And I say this as elegantly as I can. Inflation is a thief. That's all it is. It's a thief. And it's it's definitely a thief when you're dealing with lower and fixed income individuals who have nothing that can go up in value once the inflation hits. Except what's so ironic about this, not only this statistic, but also the unemployment statistic, inflation does not include food and energy. Right. How many of your viewers can live without food and energy? So this inflation rate is probably even higher than what's being said to us because we all know what's happening to food and energy cost. Sure. What could that hap What could happen to the North Carolina's economy if we continue to see this? There's been some argument that it's transient. Do you think it is? And what could happen? You know, inflation is not when you see it. It's when people start to believe right. it. Um, I was pumping gas in cars when gasoline was 18 cents a gallon back in Winston-Salem sure. in, the, in the late early 70s and late, late 60s and early 70s. Mm -hmm. Hard for me to say that these yeah. days. <laughs> uh, and, and obviously, it's not when people think that inflation's here is when they start to believe it's here and it's never going to go away. And as I said earlier, inflation is a thief and it's disproportionately hurtful to lower and fixed income individuals as they see the cost of everything go up. Sure, sure. Well, we also were talking about some of these massive spending bills that we're seeing coming out of Washington. Do you think that that's playing a role in it? And what do you think the long-term effect of these could be? I think it's definitely playing a role, uh, especially not only with the stimulus money that's coming into North Carolina, but the impact that it has once it gets here. Uh, very concerned about the, the impact. Uh, we're grateful for the stimulus money, but very uh, concerned about the fact that some of this money can create its own inflation. And I think the state needs to have a plan of how to actually deal with inflation to make sure the state, which by the way is the biggest business in the state, is the state. The second are the school systems. The third biggest business are the counties and the cities. Making sure that they're not creating processes that actually uh, make it so that they're competing against themselves so there's even more inflation. Sure. So what kind of plan do you, do you think we need to have? I think the first plan is just to acknowledge that this is an issue. Um, I've, unfortunately, especially over the last two years, there hasn't been enough uh, ability to challenge assumptions in North Carolina in the state government. Every time you challenge an assumption, everybody immediately says you're being political. Right. You know, the, the, the citizens of North Carolina just basically want somebody to, who will talk to them like adults and who will say things that when they hear them, they make good common sense. Sure, sure. Now, one of your responsibilities as our state treasurer is to manage the state retirement plan. Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, it's sustainability, it's health. Well, the, uh, the state pension plan, yes. which is on, uh, we administer on behalf of those that teach, protect, and serve, uh, I'm pleased to report just hit an all-time high, a value of $124 billion. Wow. And, uh, 
Uh, the blood that runs through me is Quaker, uh, but I've attended a Methodist church. And, you know, the Methodists every year choose a word, and that, that word a few years ago was context. Let me put $124 billion in context. Okay. Uh, by itself, it's one of the largest pools of public money in the entire world. Wow. By itself, it is five times larger than the state budget. Wow. Just the pension plan, and mm -hmm. that only represents half of what we do at the Treasurer's Office. So for those that teach, protect, and serve, with all the angst and anxiety they have in being a public servant, worrying about the safety and security of their pension plan is not one of those. Uh, it's one of the best funded pension plans in the United States, nearly 90% funded. The South Carolina pension system is only 63% funded. The Alabama system 65% funded. One of the Kentucky retirement systems is only 30% funded. This plan is nearly 90% funded. And the credit goes to not only these public servants who have been paying into this plan every 30 days, but also the General Assembly who has completely funded the plan for all these years. We can't control what interest rates do and what the stock market does, but we're, I'm standing on the shoulders of the hardworking people at the Treasurer's Office who uh, have partnered with me over the last five years to cut $500 million in Wall Street fees out of this pension plan. Why should that matter to your viewers who may not be associated with this pension plan? The reason it matters is it's not just about those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve, but taxpayers like them who help fund it. And $500 million savings in the pension plan is money that can be used for benefits for not only this, but the next generation of public service workers. And we just got scored in the zero percentile. I thought that was a good place to be, Donna, sure. when I was going through school. Uh, but un unfortunately, I learned otherwise. Uh, the zero percentile means that we have the most efficient pension plan of any pension plan in the universe that's the size of ours in terms of the efficiency of running it. And I'm very proud of the folks back at the treasurer's office and all previous state treasurers sure. who have never gambled or or take an undue risk with the pension plan. Certainly. So now during COVID, we've seen record numbers of people uh, retiring, uh, either because their jobs went remote and they weren't comfortable with it, or they decided, you know, it's time. Uh, are you seeing a lot more retirements, and what impact could that have on the pension plan? I used to stutter, so I need to make sure I say this slowly for your <laughs> viewers. We have just crossed the precipice in North Carolina where there are less people paying into this pension plan than are not. Okay. For the first time in state history less people paying in than are not. That doesn't mean everybody who isn't is drawing a check because we have 200,000 people who are entitled to these benefits but not yet old enough to draw them. Right. And uh, that's very serious. We just broke records this month, paid out over 355,000 retirees. That resulted in over $580 million just for one 30-day period. Over $7.8 billion <coughs> leaving the plan just for pension benefits. So that's why when people say, why do you talk the way you do and, and say the things you say, this is serious business because one out of 10 adult North Carolinians associated with this pension plan, they don't know that I'm the treasurer and that's not what's important. What's important is I know who they are because behind their health and their spiritual relationship and their family, the two most important things are the safety and security of the pension and the state health plan. Sure. Shifting gears just a little bit. Um, tell me, talk a little bit about the change in the Emergency Powers Act. As, as state treasurer, you sit on the Council of State. Um, tell me a little bit about the changes in the governor's emergency powers that will t mm -hmm. take effect in 2023. What do you think the Council of State needs from the legislature or needs to make sure that those work? 
Let me be clear that there can only be one governor, governor at a time, but there can also only be one council of state at a time. The council of state is not something your viewers are used to talking about sure. at the kitchen table, but it's made up of the 10 statewide elected officials. And I would like to say this kinder and nicer than what the way, the way I'm going to say it, but it's been dysfunctional, especially over the last two years. This is a governing body, just like the legislature is a governing body, the judicial branch is a governing body. And just to manage through this pandemic, uh, when you've got one of the best agriculture commissioners in the United States sitting there to talk about the food supply, it's important to realize that in March of 20, just like that, we had 55% of our food going to restaurants, I mean, right. to grocery stores and 45 to restaurants. That all had to flip. The educational uncertainty with the superintendent of public instruction. I can't imagine any governor trying to manage through a pandemic without using the subject matter expertise, forget about the finances, of sure. all the people around the Council of State. So I'm 100% in favor of what the General Assembly did to try to bring some guardrails into what the Council of State does and is supposed to be doing in the future because, you know, your viewers don't wake up and think about Council of State. They wake up, as you've talked on this show many times, about how to best educate our kids, sure. how job insecurity, food insecurity, and, of course, health insecurity. And they need to know that the Council of State is operating, is functioning properly. Sure, and not just Council of State. You wear lots of hats as a state treasurer. Um, among them, uh, you're chairman of the Local Government Commission. Now, you know, that's something that really <coughs> reaches people at home. Do you, the Local Government Commission recently revoked the charter of mm -hmm. East Laurenburg, North Carolina. Do you find that there may be other communities like that that are having financial difficulties, trouble managing their, their local books? Absolutely. The Local Government Commission was created after the Depression and the bankruptcy of Asheville, North Carolina. And for nearly a half a century, North Carolina was the only state that actually had something called the Local Government Commission. Now there's several across the United States. And there's 1,300 entities that report to the Local Government Commission. 100 counties, 550 cities, water and sewer districts, airport authorities, universities and hospitals, for example. And it gives them a way to come in and borrow money on a tax-free basis. And the reason why this is so important to your viewers is that, unfortunately, well, I would rather the Local Government Commission be the Maytag repair people, where if you're old as I am, you remember that's the loneliest person in the world because there was nothing broken. Sure. Unfortunately, there's a lot broken in North Carolina. We just got our census data that talked about the strength of North Carolina's torso. But we need to really pay attention, not just the torso, but the legs and arms, the toes and the fingers of North Carolina. And there's a lot of stress out there. And you, you mentioned East Larnburg. This is the ballot of East Larnburg from November of last year. Mm -hmm. There are five people, five positions to be voted on for the governing of East Larnburg. There's only one name on this ballot. Right. And I bring all these props because people just wouldn't believe that unless I actually showed them. <laughs> so uh, East Larnburg, I've been a motorcycle mechanic all my life. There's no tool in our toolbox that can, that can feast, fix East Larnburg. To be clear, there's some great examples like a Hosky, North Carolina. Uh, I say this sarcastically, you haven't heard apples going to a Hosky, North Carolina. But in seven years, a Hosky was on the unit assistance list. They were upside down. They've made tough choices. They've executed the discipline necessary to get themselves back on the right feet, foot. And lastly, as far as East Larnburg, just because you're not incorporated doesn't mean you're not a community. By the way, there are, in Currituck County, there are no incorporated cities. 
So it doesn't really matter if you're incorporated or not. You can still be a community. Sure, sure. Another big issue we've been talking a lot about this year is the Leandro decision. Mm -hmm. Judge David Lee recently uh, ordered the, um, the <coughs> Treasury to basically open the coffers, put mm -hmm. $1.7 billion into the public school system, but made that decision from the bench rather than, you know, trying to have it th come through the legislature. Mm -hmm. Tell me your thoughts on that, because as keeper of the public purse, you know, that's really your territory. It's unfortunate uh, that uh, Judge Lee made this decision. It's unfortunate that there was $2 million of taxpayer money spent on a study that Judge Lee depended on. And what's most unfortunate about this, and the reason I carry this with me, is that uh, this is the Constitution of North Carolina. And as I said earlier, I'm not a lawyer, but what, what people know about the Constitution is there's something generally said here, like every child's entitled to a free and sound basic education. If there's something in here specific that that ties into that, then the specific always overrules the general. In this constitution, it says that no money should be leave the coffers unless it's appropriated by the General Assembly. It's just sad that we've gotten to the situation of almost a constitutional crisis of North Carolina uh, on this Leandro decision. And let me just be clear, this is not just me saying these things. This is the controller of North Carolina, Dr. Linda Combs. This is the General Assembly who's one of the three legs of the stool that, that operate our state government that the rating agencies kind of depend on to have these checks and balances. Uh, but most importantly, the person who has shepherded the Leandro decision for the last 27 years, Howie Manning, Judge Howie Manning, is also opposed to what Judge Lee has done. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we've got lots going on. Of course, you've been focused a lot during your tenure as treasurer on uh, the state health plan and transparency mm -hmm. in uh, hospital pricing for 700,000 or more mm -hmm. uh, state employees. Talk a little bit about what that's been like and why this has been such a focus for you. Uh, the reason is not emotional or political. It's mathematical. Uh, when I was sworn in as the keeper of the public purse, uh, Business NC reported on this, I inherited a $34 billion dollar unfunded health care liability. Now, to put that in context, a few years ago, Pew Research ranked North Carolina's insolvency as far as the health plan right behind the state of Illinois, the same Illinois that your viewers hear about all the time. And they should be asking themselves, how could the pension be one of the best in the country, if not the world, and the health plan being one of the most insolvent? And the answer is, is, is mathematical. For nearly f 50 years, Promises were made to state employees to be eligible, eligible for lifetime health care. But unlike the pension plan, no money was going in to fund that every 30 days. That's why we're in this situation. You know, City of Winston-Salem saw this 29 years ago and started putting money toward this problem. And they don't have an issue. City of Charlotte saw this 27 years ago and started putting money in this. So it's not something that's just fallen out of the sky. But the main reason mathematically is this. Your viewers don't consume health care. It consumes them. It's the only product in their life that the A, they would rather not consume because that would mean they weren't sick. When they try to inquire as to what it's going to cost, they're told it's none of their business. And then when they don't pay for something that they didn't want to consume and no one would tell them what it cost, then their credit rating is destroyed. And this is something that former treasurer Harlan Bowles, who wore this very lapel pin, talked about. It's something that Bill Gates talked about 14 years ago. Uh, state alter Beth Wood warned about this 11 years ago, Warren Buffett four years ago, and even Senator Elizabeth Warren, who recently, two years ago, said that the leading cause of bankruptcy in the United States is things associated with health care. 
But, uh, you know, pictures tells a thousand words. When I attempted as a state treasurer to find out what those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve are paying for health care, this is what was sent to me as the master charge list. All redacted. All redacted. Mm -hmm. This is an industry that operates in secrecy. We're seeing the cartelization of health care in North Carolina. It's a very strong word. But if you go to the Webster's Dictionary, a cartel is defined as an association which is formed to restrict competition or raise prices. We're seeing the concentration of health care services in North Carolina into the hands of fewer and fewer multi-million dollar executives who work for these multi-billion dollar corporations that disguise themselves as nonprofits who don't pay income tax, sales tax, or real estate taxes. And the reason this is so important to me is that I can't control what people make as state employees. My job is to protect what they keep. And when we have many state employees, especially entry-level positions, who are having to work one week out of every four this year to pay the family premium, associated with the largest purchaser of health care in North Carolina, as Coach K once said, when some things happen right in front of your eyes are worth getting mad about. Sure. And this is worth getting mad about. Great. Okay. Well, one more thing I want to get to make sure we <laughs> squeeze in there. Uh, North Carolina's deal to bring Apple to uh, RTP and our Apple campus to RTP mm -hmm. was recently rated one of the worst in the country. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think about that, because, you know, a lot of us are really excited about having all these jobs, um, but the price tag is really steep. Tell me what you think about uh, the, the trade-off of these tax incentives and these really expensive 39-year uh, mm -hmm. deals for groups like Apple to come to North Carolina. As a member of the legislature for eight years, as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce for three years, as the Keeper of Public Purse for five years, I've never been asked about one of these incentive deals as far as the people who are actually negotiating it and sending out the money. I've always said, and I said this yesterday, and I say it today, and I'll say it tomorrow, that when we create a business climate in North Carolina that brings certainty to businesses that want to expand or come here, then that's what is going to drive the economic growth in North Carolina. If we can get to transparent health care, we would have an economic gold rush for North Carolina, which wouldn't even require any incentives, which would be especially helpful to rural North Carolina and the toes, the fingers, the legs, and the arms of our state. So that's how all this kind of ties back in together. Sure. But uh, the fact is, is that I've never seen the particulars as the treasurer of North Carolina about this Apple deal. All I know is what I read from great publications like yours at the Carolina Journal. Well, thank you. Uh, so before we wrap it up, let's do a quick little lightning round here. Uh, in 2022, do you think we're headed for an economic slowdown or even a recession? I think that uh, unlike 18 months ago when we had an unemployment crisis, and let me just say that people don't give enough attention to the fact that uh, and I had a small part of this. When I was Assistant Secretary of Commerce during, coming out of the great financial crisis, we had $2.7 billion of unemployment debt. Okay. On Pat, St. Patrick's Day of 2020, we had a $4 billion surplus. Wow. That was desperately needed because we had nearly a million people unemployed. And what didn't happen is what's happening in other states is the payroll taxes, the food and pseudo taxes went up to start paying those unemployment benefits. Sure. That did not occur in North Carolina. So let me just be clear about uh, the fact that now we have an employment crisis, not an unemployment crisis. And people say, well, you know, this is about business. Well, I, as I've already reminded your viewers, the biggest business in this state are the, is, are the government entities in this state. And we're having our own employment crisis in North Carolina. It's a very serious matter when you set up a process and a system where people who choose to show up for work 
are paying into a payroll or uh, unemployment system. And that money is going toward people who didn't choose to show up for work, who are possibly making more per hour. Fortunately, some of that stuff has, has now ended, but it's going to take a long time uh, to get through this employment crisis. And all your viewers know that when you talk about the inflation issue, there are three things that drive inflation, the cost of material, the cost of labor, mm -hmm. and the cost of money. And right. all this kind of ties back into other things. Sure, sure. So uh, what's next for you? Do you? Are you thinking about maybe running for a higher office or anything like that? What's uh, next for me is to try to be the best state treasurer in the history of North Carolina. And I've got very big shoes uh, to fill. And, uh, and to remain in the check delivery business. You know, we, we are, we're spending uh, nearly $800 million every 30 days at the treasurer's office. Wow. Nearly $10 billion a year out of the treasurer's office, generally for, uh, you know, uh, pension benefits for state and local employees and uh, uh, pharmaceutical benefits and health benefits. And, you know, most of those checks that we deliver being in the check delivery business are, are blessings. Uh, but unfortunately, this afternoon, I'll be going to a funeral of Trooper uh, Horton in Forest City, North Carolina, who lost his life in the line of duty. And uh, most of the checks that we deliver are blessings because people have retired and gone on with their life. Well, thank but you. Some of these checks aren't. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for your service to our state. And thank you for watching. That's it for us. Uh, have a great weekend. I'm Donna King, sitting in for Mark Rotterman. Major funding for Front Row is provided by Robert L. Luddy. Additional funding provided by Patricia and Ku Yuen through the Yuen Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences in our communities. And by... Funding for the Lightning Round is provided by NC Realtors, Helen Lockery, Mary Louise and John Burris, Reifenberg Construction, Stephen Gleason, and Jane and Van Hill. A complete list of funders can be found at pbsnc.org slash front row.